welcome to our podcast series dedicated to beating the crap out of imposter syndrome. I'm your host Eden. You can find me on Twitter at Eden Waffles. And sitting next to me in spirit is the goddess of nuggies herself and my co-host Lady Spookaria. You can reach on Twitter at Lady Spookaria. Say hello, lady. Well, hello there. <laughs> Since this is the first episode, introductions are in order. As I said before, my name is Eden. I like to talk a lot about personal development, psychology, video games, and food on my YouTube channel and on my websites, EdenV.com and ZombiesEatGrains.com. Other things I like include science fiction, horror, music, and text messaging. <laughs> and now let me make way for Her Royal Highness Lady Spookaria. I'm Lady Spookaria, and I tell spooky stories on my YouTube channel, among other things. Wow. Thanks, lady. All right. So I think we'll get stuck into it here. Um, so we'll start with the obvious question, which is what is imposter syndrome? It's known by a variety of names, the imposter phenomenon, imposterism, fraud syndrome, or the imposter experience. We're just going to use imposter syndrome as it's the most widely used name. Imposter syndrome is a psychological pattern in which one fails to internalise their skills, accomplishments and successes. It's often accompanied with this unshakable fear of imminent exposure as a fraud or a failure and just generally feeling undeserved of any success. It's experienced by both men and women equally. An outsider viewing imposter syndrome in action will often witness a sufferer subconsciously self-sabotage with criticism and negativity. Like any work that they turn in will never be good enough despite it being more than adequate. We see it mostly experienced in activities that are tied into career development, but it can also bleed out and manifest in you know any area of our life where high self-esteem is crucial for its success. It was first conceptualised in the 1970s by psychologist Suzanne Imes and Pauline Rose Clance, the first official paper where it was discussed being called The, the Imposter Phenomenon in High Achieving Women, Dynamics and Therapeutic Intervention. And this was published back in 1978. While it's not specifically recognised as you know, like an official diagnosis in the Diagnostic and Statistical Manual of Mental Disorders, better known as the DSM, current edition, that would be number five, so V, or the Internal Classification of Diseases, which is ICD, with I believe we're on version 11 at the moment, but around 70% of people that have been studied experience this phenomenon at some point in their career. Sufferers from imposter syndrome will often experience high levels of anxiety, depression, and just general negative self-thought patterns, whilst also simultaneously experiencing low levels of self-esteem, self-gratification, and just feelings of accomplishment. That is a lot of information to process in, I don't know, what, three minutes? <laughs> it's maybe less than that. Uh, so, um, Lady, what are your thoughts on imposter syndrome? I think it comes from the constant pressure of success. It's like this ideal that people are put in their minds to a point where it is such a fantasy, it is so hyped up, that when you actually reach the successful point, it doesn't feel right, it doesn't feel natural. Personally, for me, the better I do, 
the more I feel I have to live up to it. Do I deserve to be here? <laughs> have <laughs> have I done everything that I should have done to get here? It's not an easy feeling to deal with. I think more people have imposter syndrome. It's just some people are just better at hiding it than others. Yeah, I agree. I um I think that everybody experiences some kind of anxiety when it comes to career, especially, because the career is like the thing that everybody asks you about. It's not very often that you'll get asked, how do you spend your days? You know, and then you sort of come back, well, you know, I like to sit around and watch a lot of TV. It's always a, so what do you do question. Yes. A lot of people's identity is based on their profession. It's what do you do for work? And even your worth as a human being in many cultures is based on your career and how successful you are at your career. I feel imposter syndrome, at least when I'm recording. And you know how when you record and you muck up a line and then you keep messing up and you're just like, ah! It, it's rough then. Um, it, it's nice when it all comes together, but when you re-listen to it, you find mistakes that other people probably don't care about that much. I'm not saying, you know, be sloppy with your work. You should always try to do your best. But when it comes to self-sabotage, you're making it happen. You're making everything the imposter syndrome say a reality. And once that happens, it just all seems to just get worse from there. Yeah, I agree. Yeah. It's cyclical. You know, it comes in cycles, which is, is something that, um, like, we're, we're going to talk more about that because we're going to, like, unpack the absolute ever-loving shit about, like, you know, the imposter cycle and all that sort of stuff. But we'll we'll get into that later. But, yeah, it is cyclical. It's like you get into this state where you feel so much anxiety about what it is that you're doing, even though it's not necessary to feel the anxiety, it's just you kind of building yourself up. And then you get to a point where you either subconsciously sabotage yourself by messing up the work or just not doing it. And then you feel depressed because you didn't achieve it in the way you wanted to you know, complete or achieve the work. So then you're depressed for a few weeks and then you're like, well, maybe I'll try again. And then you try again. But each time you put yourself out into an uncomfortable position, it's less uncomfortable than the previous time because what you experienced last time was so bad that you just don't want to experience it again. And then it's just like you keep going backwards until you're not making any progress. And then you're depressed again because you're not making progress. And you think it's your fault. And it's like, well, okay, yes, it is your fault, but there's something we can do about it. <laughs> yeah, I think that ties very much into the fear of failure. And couple that with perfectionism to a point where it's, what ends up happening, and I've witnessed this with myself and some of, my, some of my friends, is that they end up just not trying at all. So it's just like, yeah, I could do this. But why don't you? Why don't you at least take that step? It's like, oh, yeah. And then it's like, well... 10 minutes a day, 20 minutes a day, 30 minutes a day to to at least start on something. And also some of my biggest risks have brought out the biggest reward. Like the channel itself was a risk. And now look, it, it's doing well. But like at the same time, there's a part of me that's like, you could disappear tomorrow. Yeah, yeah, it's a part of the thing about fame. <laughs> <laughs> I, I don't know. I, I wouldn't consider myself to be famous. I'm, like, exposing myself with this fucking episode. 
But you are, and I'm, I'm going to put this all in un, unedited, unfiltered. Raw. The world is going to know <laughs> that you feel a little bit anxious every now and then about videos. <laughs> yes, yes, because I've never mentioned it ever before. <laughs> Don't look at my Twitter. No. <laughs> <laughs> it gets weird there in general. <laughs> What I just did right there, too, doesn't help, because that's just oversimplifying. That's just being me being like, oh, you just feel a little bit anxious, you know. Like, don't even worry about it. Everybody feels anxious. And it's like, yes, but you're not experiencing... It's fine. You're just... You're just bullying. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, I just... I find that um, because everybody suffers from... Uh, or people who do suffer from it, obviously, who suffer from imposter syndrome, they all, they all suffer from it a little bit differently. But... When you come across somebody who's pretty normal functioning and has doubts about themselves but is willing to put themselves in an uncomfortable position to, you know, learn, grow as a person, etc., um, they see themselves and their accomplishments and what they've done and they've gone, well, that wasn't really that hard for me. And then they kind of project that experience onto somebody who, let's say, for instance, somebody who's really afraid of critique. So that's probably me. <laughs> probably. No, but somebody who's really afraid of criticism. He doesn't like criticism, just hands down doesn't like it. And they don't want to put themselves out and say something that could have backlash. So the other person, the normal person who has done that, has experienced the backlash, has then dealt with it in a healthy way and then moved on from there, will project their experience onto the person feeling anxiety and says things like, oh, it's not that bad. You know, like, I did it. If I did it, anyone can do it, you know. <laughs> that, it doesn't help. That really doesn't help. That makes it worse. If that were me in that position, I would start thinking things like, oh, wow, this, pers like, this person's so awesome and can do all this and have success. And, you know, here I am. It takes me a month to upload a video because I'm too scared for, you know, of, I'm too scared of the criticism, <laughs> you, you know. So it's like it's, it's, it's very hard to understand what somebody's experiencing and what they're feeling when they're trying to strike out and do something that's going to make them better and that's going to improve. So the point of this podcast is I really want to go deep into some of this stuff because it's through talking about these experiences and learning more about them than can we learn more about ourselves. It helps to take that third person perspective. It's so hard for us to kind of see past our own shortcomings. We can say, oh yes, you know, I'm, I'm a very anxious person, but we don't really do anything about it because we don't understand why we feel anxious or what the triggers are or what we can do to minimize that anxiety as much as possible so we can then push past it and keep moving forward. So what I would like to talk about now specifically, uh, I'd like to touch on more on the general symptoms that one may experience during a flare-up or an episode of imposter syndrome. We will often report feelings of inadequacy, like we're not qualified to be doing what we're doing, or we're not working hard enough at what we're doing. We will often feel like we have this compelling need to be the best, or this chronic desire to be special, you know. But at the same time, we also feel shame because we're not there yet. We feel a lot of shame because we're, we haven't achieved 
what we want to achieve, that it bleeds into lots of feelings of guilt, which then bleeds into lots of feelings of fear. <laughs> we will often feel guilty that we're not doing or working hard enough. We will feel fear about the what ifs. So we will think about what we could have done in a past situation to to have made that situation successful. And then we'll think about what could happen and we'll come up with lots of scenarios of whether we're going to succeed or whether we're going to fail and it just breeds more negative self-talk and it makes you feel overwhelmed as well because suddenly suddenly putting a video on the internet for example or um, going to meet with a new client about a potential job or going for a job interview in itself it's a huge big deal and yes it is a big deal but it's not as big of a deal as we think it is because there'll always be another job there'll always be another client there'll always be another video and but we just can't seem to get past that point and because we're fixating on it so much we begin to feel overwhelmed we'll begin to start hearing and the negative the inner critic who says things you know like um oh, you're not you're not going to be able to do this you can't oh do yes this. the notorious inner critic self-destructive perfectionism is also another symptom that we often feel uh, that's one i've dealt with a fair bit mm, yeah how so uh, well it doesn't just go with my channel it's happened with other things like i won't necessarily study as much as i should for my university or say if you're on a diet or something, you know, you like, oh, I'm going to this or something. It's like, you know, you, you know you're not helping yourself, but you're still doing it. So you help to fulfill the imposter syndrome, ultimately, that you're not going to be able to get it. And you feel, it's so twisted because you feel guilt if you do and guilt if you don't. Mm, yes, yes, that's a huge one, I agree, yes. I will often find that I will work on a script or a project or a video and I will get to about three quarters of the way through. So I will have spent, I would say, large chunk of my time, at least four to five hours, if not longer. And that for me is very hard, obviously, because I have kids. So four to five hours over the course of four days kind of thing. Um, but I will find I will get so far in and I will be at the finish line. But then something, something will trip me up. It'll be like I said something wrong. Or a common one for me is I will talk about you may experience this. But I will then forget that I am talking about you or to you. And then I will start to say things like we or everyone. So I will um, really chop and change my, my audience and who I'm talking to. And one thing that I often trip up on is I will do that in one of my videos and then I'll go, oh no, I have to change it. So I'll try and re-record, but it never sounds the same when you re-record. <laughs> so you try to edit that little bit in, but it sounds totally different. And then you start freaking, I, I'll, I will start freaking out and say things like, oh man, like it's not going to sound seamless. You know what? I'm just going to scrap the whole video and then it never gets finished. Yeah. And that's the end of that. Mm. Yeah. I I've I've noticed working out ways to actually battle um, any issues with lines. So sometimes 
it depends on what it is. Like, if it's a character, I'll do several versions of the same line. But if it's a story, I won't bother. But I tend to make sounds, like, in between. So if I fuck up, it's very easy to find where. And plus, learning how to cut helped. Because I record. When I record, I just do one long thing. Yeah. So any sounds that goes in it, it goes in it. Um, oh, I like that. That's yeah, really so, cool. I really like that. Yeah. Yeah, that that's I think I learned the the clicking fingers from I think it was Nordic the vampire. So in between it was easy. But um I think most people make mistakes or cuz I've never really spotted a mistake in your video. Like in my videos. <laughs> yeah. I've noticed them in mine, but not, but not not in yours. <laughs> yeah, but of course, of course you're going to notice them in yours because you are scrutinizing it with a magnifying glass. You're there just going, "What was that?" sound <laughs> like did i just fucking leave a burp in my video what the hell <laughs> <laughs> yeah or you'll you, you'll um like you'll hear someone shift so shift in the chair you know and like yeah. you'll hear yourself shift in the chair and you'll just be like oh man i hope nobody else heard that <laughs> and they usually don't because you usually have music or something else like that or they're so focused on your voice that they're not hearing the sound yeah or they do it was like oh yeah they're just in a chair and sometimes chairs make noise yeah, exactly. It's just, it's it's not a big deal. It really isn't a big deal. But in our brains, we are building up this this thing that is, is not as, it's really not as bad as what we think it is, but we're building it up so much that it is paralyzing us. It's making us unable to push through and keep going because we think that people are scrutinizing us just as much as we are scrutinizing ourselves. I think that's the probably the most difficult part for me personally that I have dealt with with imposter syndrome is as I mentioned previously you know I am very sensitive to criticism because of that it's paralyzing for me to think that I might put the wrong tweet up in fact right down to like I will tweet something and it won't get much engagement and I'll be there like like oh my goodness nobody likes me why am I doing this no you know and it's like it's a tweet it's a tweet it has a half-life of half an hour basically <laughs> if you don't post a, a tweet on twitter at the most active time when your audience or you know your followers are actively using twitter your tweet will get missed that's it you know but i will get to that point where i'll be like oh my god like what, what could be oh, <laughs> oh you know um no. <laughs> nobody likes me because in australia in western australia you know the guys who just lag behind everybody else <laughs> so i'll post a tweet at I'll post a tweet at two in the afternoon and then I'll be crying at seven o'clock because nobody's liked it. And I'm like, yeah, but most of your following, <laughs> all 12 of you. <laughs> but most of my following are American. Everybody's asleep at that time. Like, who's going to see a tweet at, at two in the morning in America? I, I might, I might, might see it. Well, maybe you might. We'll see. <laughs> but yeah, it's funny that these really little things that don't really mean much at all can just really blow out of proportion and completely stop any progress you've been making. And it's because we look at it from like the surface, you know, or we will often have, we'll often find that there's a pattern. So we will know, we'll see that there's a pattern, but we don't know how to break it. So if we run with my Twitter example, if I do it once, 
I'll do it again, and I'll notice that my activity will drop quite drastically on the weeks where I'm feeling really anxious and really stressed out, and the more I feed it, so, you know, the more, the less I tweet, the less I'll tweet moving forward, because I'll just keep running with this idea of, oh, you know, I keep I keep trying to tweet, but I can't because I'm scared of what people will think, or I'm scared that nobody's going to like me, so I'm just not going to tweet, and then people wonder where I've gone. <laughs> you know, like, your Twitter's been dark for a while. Like, oh, yeah, it has, hasn't it? <laughs> oh, I've just been super busy. Yeah, that's it, super busy. Yeah. Like, pretend to be aloof about it and not that I've been crying in a corner for the past two weeks. Only I'm really allowed like to make you cry. No. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. No. Nobody's allowed to make me cry except me. <laughs> and maybe you. <laughs> <laughs> it's weird because I've got a very extroverted side and a very introverted side. And, <laughs> and they're very different people. <laughs> so it's like my extrovert side is like, you know my extrovert side. <laughs> I do. And then there's the introvert side. It's like, why is everyone talking to me? <laughs> Just leave me alone, please. <laughs> no, but I do enjoy it. <laughs> yeah, but that must be really hard to deal with, though, because it's just that war between sides of your brain, like two voices in your brain that are just constantly screaming at each other, and it's like, who do I listen to? <laughs> Which one's the right one? Oh, they they both get me into trouble. <laughs> <laughs> oh, dear, dear, dear. Another thing I've noticed as well is that I've noticed personally, and this is something another symptom, another general symptom, is uh, it's very hard to take compliments. Yeah. A piece of work that somebody has worked on really hard, so something that means a lot to them, they've worked really, really hard on it. It's finally out there, it's on in the public eye, and people are sort of looking at it and going, yeah, that's pretty good. And they're just there going, oh, it's actually not that great. It's It's you being unable to take a goddamn compliment. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's, I think it starts in school. You know, I, I think I think everyone's had that issue where, like, they've known someone who will compliment you, but in a very backhanded way. Like, you know, like, going mm. as a reference, Mean Girls, showing our age here, but I'm going to go for it. You know, it's like, it's like, you're really pretty, and she's like, thank you! And so, you think you're really pretty. Uh, it is just like that trap. I think people end up having that in their own head as well. And it's just, it isn't easy to take a compliment. And some people are full of shit. I, I loved me. Oh my God, me too. <laughs> I want to watch it again. But I absolutely agree with you. In fact, I can think of another scene as well in that movie where, I was about to say Regina Spector, but she's actually an artist. Like she sings, she's not the, the character. Anyway, Regina George, she has that girl who walks <laughs> past and she's like, oh my god, that is the cutest skirt I've ever seen. And the girl's like, oh yeah, thanks, it was my mom's in the <gasps> oh, 80s. Yeah. She's like, oh, vintage, so cute. The girl walks off and then she says to um, uh, Katie, yeah, oh, that is the ugliest effing skirt it, I've ever Excuse seen. me, it was Katie, not Katie. Katie. <laughs> Katie. 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 I don't know, we Katie? need to watch this. We're going to watch it and then be like, ah! I was right. No, it's, yeah, it's, it's Kate. It's Katie, and I think it's because everybody calls yeah everybody calls her Caddy. Yeah, something like that. But when that happens, though, it's it's difficult because it's difficult to know the difference between what's a malicious compliment, what's a good compliment, and what's constructive feedback. You get someone giving you a compliment, and you'll often get it, and you'll sit with it for ages and be like, were they actually being serious? Like when they said that they liked my voice. Were they being serious or were they just saying that because 
they were just trying to be nice. That was one I always get faced with that whole, what if they're just being nice? And they actually hate it. Yeah, I think I think in a way that's our own interpretation of what they are saying. That does sound so hippie. It's your own interpretation of the universe, man. <laughs> it's all up to you. <laughs> if they're ingenuine and saying a lie, basically, that's on them, you know? Like, that that's their problem. Yeah, yeah, I agree. I agree. Most normal functioning people far as I'm aware (laughs) but then you know look we all feel it's anyway I think we're all we're all screwed up to some degree let's be honest here but most people will just take the compliment at face value and just move on and that's the end of it when you have this level of anxiety with this this high level of anxiety with this low level of self-esteem rather than just taking the compliment and moving on you sit there and chew on it and wonder you know was it genuine was it ingenuine like you said you know and I find that that's also quite paralyzing as well because then you begin to start building up your own negative self-talk on top of what was just somebody saying, hey, that's pretty good work, you know. Suddenly you've now blown it out of proportion and it's this, well, you know, they shouldn't have said this. They only said this because they were being nice and it turns out that I'm actually terrible and nobody likes me, you know, and it feeds itself. It's very hard to just take the compliment move on. Yeah, it's like just take it. Just take the damn compliment. Yeah, well, that's something that I do want to unpack, which we will be discussing later on in the series, is self-help ways that we can explore the reasons why we're feeling this way. So the next time we feel it, we can be like, oh, I understand. It's not actually this person's perception. It's me reflecting my own perception of myself and finding issue where there really wasn't a huge issue so you know you can just kind of give yourself a pat on the back and go no it it really was just a compliment don't worry about it it's fine we can move on from there now let's let's not focus on it because there's more you know more important things to focus on so um that'll be like a whole episode in on itself though because that's just a huge huge thing (laughs) another thing that we'll often feel is the chronic fear of sharing So we're very afraid to share our goals and our ambitions and achievements with people because we're worried about what they'll think of us. Um, We we did talk about that earlier, the whole where we place uh, the whole issue of placing so much um, attention on what we do for a living. You know, when two people step into an elevator and um, the one on the left will turn to the one on the right and say, oh, so what do you do? And then they'll just be able to spell off the pitch of, oh, well, so, you know, I help people um, do things. I think things. that's a good point. We could actually go into a lot of depth in another episode. There are some people who I would never share my goals to until it is in motion. Just because mm. they're a bit of a naysayer or they'll bring up points that aren't necessarily relevant. Mm. So you also do need to be somewhat selective, I think. I know it sounds kind of cheesy, but you need to find your tribe, like people who are supportive of your goals and who want to see you achieve these goals. Hmm. I think that that is a big thing. If you're around people who are constantly negative, that negativity will rub off on you, even if you're the most cheerful person in the world. You take on the personality traits of the five people who are around you the most. I have heard that before. Yeah, can't confirm. (laughs) Um, What I do know about it is 
when we kind of get together in a group, we experience phenomenon called uh, de-individuation, which is where we tend to identify more with the group values rather than our own values, which is why after a while, certain personalities, I guess, will start to rub off on you and you'll start to act more like them because that's more in accordance with the group, you know? So like, I actually agree. Like, I reckon we'll dedicate, I think we should dedicate like a whole episode on, um, people. Actually, there are several things in this mm. that I think mm. would actually make good episodes. Awesome. 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 I'm very happy. I would, I will hear more mm. about this later. Yeah. <laughs> So the, la- the last symptom that many of us can report on when feeling imposter syndrome is feeling like you have to shoulder the burden of work for yourself. So feeling like you have to take on everybody else's work because it will, it will you think that in turn it will help yeah. you. On top of that, if we choose not to take somebody, take on that more work and we choose no, we say no. I've I've got enough on my plate right now. Later on down the track, we start feeling bad, and we start telling ourselves off like, oh, you know, now that person's upset with you, which means that this is going to happen here, which means this is going to happen here, and as well as that, we also have, we feel bad for having downtime. Like we feel bad for sitting and watching TV at night time, or browsing YouTube, or playing a video game, when we should be working, you know, we should be doing these things, because we have so much to do. Oh, I've experienced that. It's a part of, you don't feel like you deserve things if you just, you take a break to just enjoy what you've achieved. I think there's this real culture of, achievements are kind of seen in a negative way if you celebrate them. It's like you need other people to tell you that you are successful, and that you have achievements. There are people on the other end of the scale who think that they've made achievements when they have not. <laughs> yes. Yeah. There, there's a, yeah, yeah, yeah. There's always those people, yeah. So, yeah, that was the general list that I have compiled of just a lot of the feelings that some people will feel when experiencing imposter syndrome. Uh, so now that we know this and we have a little bit more of an idea of what imposter syndrome actually is, now we can really start unpacking and getting knee-deep into it. So um, over the course of the next, I don't know how many episodes because I'm just going to go, you know, I'm just going to go with the flow with this this podcast as it is, it's both mine and Lady's first podcast, so we're just going to go with the flow with it. Um, so we're going to be uncovering, um, just really getting knee deep into things like the different types of people that can often be in, affected by imposter syndrome, uh, things like the imposter cycle, as we said before, things like some of the more unexpected side effects and symptoms that, you know, we didn't really expect that this would happen, but it is it happening and it is happening because it is linked with anxiety and self-esteem and our career paths etc etc so uh we also lady and i also want to share with you a bunch of like our favorite things that we like to do to help self-identify when we're having these bad thoughts and when we're having these bad episodes and how we can push through those fears and just, you know, become truly kick-ass and excellent at everything. <laughs> <laughs> so I do want to pause here, though, 
to mention that whilst we, Lady and I, do have a lot of experience with imposter syndrome and we have a lot done a lot of research into it, we are not psychiatrists. <laughs> we are not therapists and we are not professional help. So what we want to do is really just get into it and unpack the syndrome. But our advice that we want to give you is not to fix or cure it's really rather to just gain more insight into the craziness of an anxious brain. So we're, Lady and I are really excited to be here. We're really looking forward to chilling with you and you with us for the next few weeks while we discuss some super, super crazy heavy topics. Lady, is there anything you'd like to say before we wind up the episode? I can't think of anything, but I'd like to... Thank you all for listening in to this amazing podcast. I hope you've learned something and hopefully you'll learn something that will ultimately help you with dealing with imposter syndrome. Beautiful. So our next episode is going to explore how to backslap. <laughs> Bitch slap, like fully on, just <laughs> whack. We're going to whack reality so hard across the so face. It's going to sting for days. Yep. So we're going to talk more about the five types of achiever, as I said earlier, that often suffer from imposter syndrome, and just how to manage and take back control of your brain. Um, in the description of our podcast, we will obviously always be listing links. So if we talk about anything in particular, we will list the link in the description. All of our social media links will be there as well if you want to find us and have a chat to us. If, however, you're having trouble getting to them, you can find me on Twitter at Eden Waffles, on YouTube under my channel name Eden V, and also on my website EdenV.com and ZombiesEatGrains.com. Lady is also on Twitter. She shares nuggies and a couple of lewd. You can find her at Lady Spookaria, as well as her YouTube channel of the same name, Lady Spookaria. She also haunts a most elegantly skinned crypt, by which I mean her website, which is ladiespookaria.com. I would like... update that. Yes, you do. No. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm gonna, we're going to wrap it up here for, uh, as the, and mark this as the end of our first episode. So I and Lady, I hope, <laughs> we obviously <laughs> really look forward to seeing you next time. And until then, keep it real, fellow fraudster. Stay safe and remember, I'll be watching you. Bye.